0: Hi, everybody. I'm Brian Widmer, and you're listening to Logic & Lore. I am joined once again, finally, <clears throat> and thankfully, by my co-host, <laughs> My gosh. Oh, I love that.
1: Right? <sighs> yeah. Uh, no, man, it's it's good to be back. And I'll tell you, um, shouts out to, uh, to the, the last couple of guests that you've had on that weren't me um there was some really stellar stuff in there I was I was very uh very taken with with both the plight of new teachers and uh not plight but the the story of you know of how they how they got there and and people that are you know exploring the education field and at large It was really good stuff man
0: yeah they're both good people I'm glad to have them in my life I'm glad they were willing to come on the show So yeah, yeah, definite, definite shout out to uh, Jasmine and Kate. I really appreciated their company. I'd love for them to actually be like sort of, uh, you know, in the rotation of Mm -hmm. episodes now and then if they're available, but you know, that's how life is and your life has also been busy. So it's good to be doing this with you again. (laughs) Um, so Yes. Today, we are going to talk about IEPs. Mm. Um, Some people probably know more than they ever want to about what IEPs are. (laughs) You, maybe. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Some Mm -hmm. people may have never heard of them. So why don't we start off by just explaining what they are? Yeah,
1: so an IEP is we're, we're like all about acronyms in the special education field. And it makes me really crazy. Um, and IEP is an individualized education plan or sometimes an individual education plan.
0: Does anyone ever call it an IEP and make you want to smack them? No, that's something that's honestly something I've never heard. Um, they like
1: phoneticize everything else though. So I figure it's only a matter of time. Um, but I, uh, no i've heard eps like eps like ieps like eps I'm like oh
0: yeah okay yeah so yeah. individualized education educational plan or education plan
1: uh education education plan education. what it is is it's you have a child an individual that is exhibiting challenges with uh some facet of their schooling and you test them and you kind of look into it and if it's you know if they're if they're found to have a disability or a significant challenge uh that would create a disabling condition then we create this handy dandy document where it outlines accommodations they get and services and uh and all the kind of great things ideally to scaffold to get them eventually up to speed or up to level uh, as their peers. And in some cases, they they will never get to the level of their peers. And so you try to find uh, through it what we call the offer of FAPE, um, the Free and Appropriate Public Education. And we try to make sure that they have the best chance at the best schooling um we're a big fan oh here's another acronym uh the lre the least restrictive environment you know kids that can do well will do well and so you want to make sure that all of the services and things that you offer are in a place where they can be when possible close to their peers and close to a group of different minds not just a bunch of neurodivergent students
0: awesome uh i want to just rewind really quick to something that you said, mm-hmm. because I'm honestly not sure if I heard it correctly. That, sure. And I heard an offer of FAPE. And I yes. don't know if that's what you said or not. It is. It's
1: F-A-P-E, Free and Appropriate Public Education. Okay. FAPE.
0: And and what, what is an offer of FAPE?
1: What is so an offer of FAPE is when you go into the IEP meeting and it's the it's it's the nuts and bolts of the IEP it's the it's the 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 baseline the the spinal column of the IEP and it lists any services that the student gets um the times you know the amount of uh, SAI which is uh specialized academic instruction that the the minutes they get uh per week per day per month um and other service providers like SLP, speech and language, practitioner, or pathologist, um, practitioner, pathologist. wise practitioner? I'm like, they're not witches. Well, maybe.
0: Spe- speech and language practitioner, like does okay. chiropractics on your face. To make you <laughs> That's think. right. I'm like, double, double toil and trouble. When do we three meet again?
1: Oh, next Tuesday
0: at three um (laughs) work on your th sounds
1: right (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so there's that would it be crazy
0: if that's what the witches were actually doing they were like doing double double toil and trouble to try to get like they're like now we're going to work on on the chance for bilabial plosives and then just like
1: (laughs) (laughs) you're like all of their diction is so perfect good lord great job Mm. <laughs> so yeah and then we have you know occupational therapists sometimes there's physical therapists they
0: burned them uh, because of all of the bad memories from going to speech as a kid she
1: yes, made me exactly. read
0: that tongue twister over and over again crush her under a large rock <laughs> he thrusts his fist against the post and still insists he sees
1: the ghosts um, yes. <laughs> yeah it's <Death> uh...
0: burner. <laughs> <laughs> but I gonna be a very serious informative episode people <clears throat> clearly clearly start by burning oh. witches um yeah so
1: it, it kind of outlines uh the minutes that you see the kid it outlines uh their their accommodations um and those kinds of things and yeah it, it really kind of is the lifeblood and so when you you go through all the IEP meetings and you know you start with like celebrations and and this is you know the present levels and this is where they got you know there's usually a goal. Um, I did I I have seen up to fourteen goals in a year, which is incredibly
0: excessive. Um, can, I, can I slow you down though a little bit because for yeah, me, yeah, yeah I've I have never actually I don't think actually mm-hmm. been present for an IEP meeting. So these are mm-hmm. things that in my realm, mostly as like boots on the ground, uh, just you know, working with kids or case management, like in the learning center or my own caseload now where mm-hmm. I was going to people's houses or now from just my house, seeing them online, mm-hmm. I, will, I would hear about my director going to an IEP meeting or I'll hear about, um, um, uh, parents, you know, of, of a student of mine having an IEP meeting and wanting to take progress updates or testing from what we're doing and things like that. But I was never really, I was always from the outside looking in. mm -hmm. So, and, and for anybody else listening, who's like, yeah, I have no idea what an IEP meeting is. Um, but may have kids later and may have this, you know, happen to them later where they're invited to one of these things. I'm just, it would be helpful for me to have a picture of mm-hmm. when it happens in the process and who's there and mm-hmm. what's happening, mm-hmm. why it's happening, you know, what's that all about?
1: Yeah. So, okay. Um, so let's, let's start at the beginning. Um, it's, I have like, silly thing, but I'll, I'll dispense with the silly because it is kind of a process. So we have, we have a process in place. And the process is when you notice that a kid has a challenge, mm-hmm. right? It could be social, emotional, it could be reading, it could be whatever, um, it, it kind of starts this process. And in our school and in the district that we're in, we, we have these kind of pre-steps before we get to an IEP. And so we have an SST, which is a student support team, and that is, you know, you get the teachers together, you get the parents and the student, and you're like, hey, man, we noticed that uh, you're not turning your work in, or we noticed that, you know, when when you're in class and everybody's reading, you're, you know, on your phone, or you're up and moving around the room, or you're tapping, or you're this, or you're that, right? Um, or it could be like, hey, we noticed that you've been fighting a lot more than usual, like what's going on? It's literally anything that detracts from them being able to access the curriculum, being able mm. to be like present in class. And so um, so from there, uh, we, you know, we kind of get the teachers together and we'll make like a, uh, before even the SST meeting, we're like, hey, let's throw some stuff at the wall and see what sticks. Can we see? if we can give the kid a couple of accommodations, like maybe give them extra time, um, try that out for a week. And I think once our SST, I feel like it's other 45 or 60 days that we do the SST. And so we do this timeline and we're like, Hey, this is, you know, these are the challenges that you said you're finding. This is what the parents are reporting. let's see what kind of scaffolds we can build around the house that is your learning and allow you to access this like very tall window that you weren't able to get to before.
0: So and, is that, if I can interrupt you, is that like, yeah. you know, for, for me, it's like um, right now I have a student who's had some attention behavioral uh, things coming up and mm-hmm. they're, not, they're not out of the, the norm, they're not anything drastic but they are detracting from my ability to sort of manage the session and, um, help them engage the material. So, you know, I'm like, okay, let me go to my bag of tricks. Cause it's just me and mom basically, mm-hmm. and say, what do I think I'm seeing? Why do I think I'm seeing it? What can we try? And we try a few things. So we've, we've established a couple of other routines. We've switched the scheduling around and those things have yielded results. Um, is, is that sort of similar to what the SST is doing? You guys are sort of saying, let's look at our regular bag of tricks mm-hmm. and see what what can we do without, you know, b- before we sort of get really heavy duty and go mm-hmm. move into an IEP, can mm-hmm. we just see what's within sort of the regular scope of things are kind of fishy right now? What can we do mm-hmm. about it? And, and if that works, do you even take the next step into actually creating an IEP or do you just say so, hey this this is our team figured it out and life is good and we move on
1: yeah so if so that's an excellent question
0: so what happens when you have the
1: SST is if if you figure out what it is and it's literally just giving that kid preferential access to office hours or giving the kid you know a little extra processing time um when it comes time to to answer questions or something like that and you're able to kind of address it and the kid can now access curriculum again then yeah you pretty much just keep the sst rolling and you reevaluate pretty much once a school year and it's something that you like scaffolding on a house you eventually you want to plan to eventually take those scaffolds away and get the kid to start building compensatory strategies or, you know, whatever. Um, and then you're like, yeah, we figured it out. Cool. Um, very that, that happens rarely. That's more during, um, times of like emotional change and emotional difficulty and shifting into new things, transitioning from eighth grade to ninth grade. Um, those sort of a things. divorce or something like that yeah. right uh, death in the family there's all yep. sorts of things and so yeah so it's not always academic stuff it could just be um hey we're writing up this plan to have you connect with our social emotional coordinator or with the counselor or you know maybe with the school psych um and that's how that works and then you know during the sst we kind of evaluate and we're like okay man none of this is really working then we kind of move it upstairs a little bit. And we talk to the parent and say, hey, we're thinking about assessing your child. Um, this is what we're seeing. Is this what you're seeing as well? And then we send them an assessment plan. And I think from there we have, um, my timelines are, are, are a little wonky. Did I just say timelines? I felt like I said timelines. Timelines.
0: Timelines.
1: You put the timelines okay. in the coconut let's, and you drink let's them do both.
0: The Timeline again. Um, yeah. So, 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 wait. So, who I, I'm also, so seasonal effective funness yeah. is a thing and I'm totally yes. in it right now. So, my brain yeah. just occasionally is like, hey, remember that thing where ADHD says we and then you stop right. processing language for three words? So, yeah. who, did, who did you send that up to if it's not working? The school site? So, uh,
1: yeah, so if it's not working, you talk to the school psych, you talk to the parent, and you're mm-hmm. saying, Hey, we're thinking about assessing your kiddo. Um, we're gonna send this documentation home. And from that point, it's kind of a two-prong attack, right? We talk to the parents and we're like, well, what are your concerns and what are you seeing? And we talk to the kids, like, hey, what's challenging for you? What's this? What's that? So we can kind of dial in what our testing looks like. And then mm-hmm. uh I administer a, a battery of academic tests and the school psychologist uh, does a battery of psychological testing. And then we take both of those data piles together and mush it together. Um, we kind of find out where, you know, are they showing up very firmly in that scatter plot, uh, a scatter, scatter plot, scatter plot, yes. scatter plot, right?
0: Timeline. Um,
1: yeah, timelines and scatter splots. Um They, <laughs> oh my God. So the like the the, the scatter plot. Um, oh man, we're seeing a bunch of markers here, which are in line with a lot of students that have uh, ASD, autism. Um, students with you know autism. They don't say you know they used to say like oh Aspergers and high functioning and low functioning, and that's very like the. So yeah so they might have markers of ASD they might have um uh SLD it's specific learning disability yeah and then we have OHI which is other health impairment um that's normally something with like processing um but that can also be like uh somatization it can be um emotional disturbance like mm. like OHI, is kind of like hey are you hitting like six markers all at once um mm. which that's an incredible oversimplification but um sld is more like like textbook dyslexia or dysgraphia mm. or you know yeah um, i have a
0: student actually at, um at a university who they contacted me after their first semester or first year because they had uh the student had sld for reading comprehension Mm, and mm. it's like hey go to university (laughs) get assigned research papers and you know 60 pages of reading every two days and do it with a learning disability for reading have fun and yeah uh yeah so
1: yeah yeah imagine Um, being me with uh they called it surface dyslexia when I was a kid, when you process faster upside down than you do right side up. <laughs> right. Um, and that was totally, my brain was just like, oh, this is way easier. Cause like I would read and get headaches and then I like flipped it upside down and my brain's just like, this makes sense. Wow. Um, yeah. So, so that was that and half deaf and be an editor for 12 years, like where your job is reading. That was interesting. Oh, and ADHD. Yeah. You want to go ride bikes? um so i had like all of these things and it was like you know it's it's funny because i'll see a lot of the stuff in my, in my kids where like mm. something will pop into their head and they'll like flip, flip their phone out and i'm like what are you looking up and they're like uh who was in motorhead from 1997 to blah 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 and i'm just like you won't be able to finish your work until you look that up huh and they're like no I'm like all right just do it. Once you back, the same exact you thing know.
0: happened with one of my students recently, where I had the the um, the blinds behind me. Uh, there's a sliding glass door out to a, a patio balcony, pretty small. Mm-hmm. And I keep I keep my mountain bike out there, like with the front tire off because it, it's just too big. Um, mm-hmm. So, like you, if you're on the Zoom with me, you can kind of see the back end of the tire. And yep. I oftentimes will just sort of ignore random questions when I've kind of established, like, hey, we've got to get this done. And then these random questions come from a student. And I, instead of being like, getting into any kind of struggle over it, I'm just like, hey, what's this word say? And just pretend like I haven't heard it. And some students like this one, like 10 minutes later, they were just like, okay, is that a bike? (laughs) And I was just like, yes and they're like okay i'm like great what's this word say it's just like i just need to scratch the itch please God. yeah
1: that that is that is our brain like all yeah. i'll be talking to someone zoom was the worst because you'd see stuff in back in the background yeah and you're just like i I did it today i like i was talking to one of the one of the teachers that i work with and we're having this like very insightful thoughtful conversation about a student and I'm like looking over his shoulder and I was like I know that's Homer Simpson but it's not Homer Simpson and what is that on your shelf and he's like well I'll never tell you and I'm like you smug no it's a Rubik's Cube shaped like Homer Simpson's head and he's like how did you know that I'm like because I'm looking at the squiggles and you know we're chimp brains and so we look for patterns and I'm going like, I know that color scheme and pattern like that white, black, yellow, yeah. you know, and I was like, that is Homer Simpson. That is a Homer Simpson, like, you know, whatever. And he was just like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, but until I anyway,
0: found out what it was, there was no passing go. <laughs>
1: no, nope. And I was like and I was trying to dial into what he was saying. And it's kind of like you said, like. I'd, I'd lock in every like seven, like a sentence is about seven words. Um, so I'd have like three, and then my brain would go like, ah, what is it? And, and then he'd say something and you know and I'd look and the, the, the facial cues and eyebrows, and I'm like, oh yes, he asked a question. He asked a WH question, where, what, you know? Make, he's making a frowny face when he's asking. So that's the who,
0: who did that? Anyway, oh, man. Um, so, but so yeah. uh, we're we're Certainly gonna, back. We, well, it's hold that thought. We're about um, time for our first break here. So uh, when we come back, Michael, what are we going to be talking about? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to. I'm going to talking about more things. I'm going to ask you about uh, what where you go from there once you have the test and how that ties into having the uh, IEP meeting. So uh, hang on tight. We'll be back in just a minute. All right, everybody, uh, welcome back. This is Brian. And Michael. And you're listening to Logic & Lore. Um, talking about IEPs today. And so, Michael, um, so what's the deal once you guys have the testing sort of put together? And I'm kind mm-hmm. of actually surprised that you are a significant part of the testing. Do you do, you do sort of duplicate tests that the psyched eval does, or does the... Does the um, psychologist actually use your tests as part of their write-up and, and evaluation?
1: So so I use some of theirs and they use some of mine, right? Because there's obvious like a Venn diagram of learning, right? Like we look at like processing and acquisition and um, the fluency. There's, uh, there's you know, the, the academic part of it is very, there's like a read these words out loud you know, read these nonsense words. We, we use a a test called the Woodcock Johnson, Mm -hmm. um, which is yeah, is all standardized tests. Um, Uh, I've used it actually. Yeah. So, you know, and it's, it's very skewed. Yeah. Word attack. And there's, um, short writing. There's that like amazing, like time true or false, that you find kids that like have processing challenges that's that's kind of the worst part of the test right because it's a I think it's like a three minute you have three minutes to read as many true false questions as you can and it's like some dogs are green uh chairs are angry I like ham you know and then like it's it's like it's very interesting but I think it also assumes uh, an awful lot about what the test taker has seen in their life uh-huh. and you know so that's that's kind of the the, the curse of standardized testing but mm-hmm. so once you get the data um you do a write-up you do classroom observations because of course if they've gotten to the point where they're uh, IEPing um, and even looking at the, at the idea of having an IEP, then chances are I've, I've observed them in class. And now that we have the SST, it's you know, it's me checking on the kid when I'm checking on my other IEP students. And we have a full inclusion model. So it, it's a very different look um, because all neurodivergent, neurotypical neuroatypical kids, they're all in the same classroom. And which is wild because, you know, I, I have a student that has a third grade reading level. Um, I also have another student that reads, you know, essentially collegiately, but can't remain focused on a task for more than 20 minutes, um, and which is all over the place. And so yeah. with this data, you start to, you, you feed the data into the machine and the machine gives you kind of a scatter plot of like, you know, what what areas they're they're having deficiencies in. Are they, you know, able to write their heart out and read, but when it comes time to have a timed thing or you know, a timed component or the fluency, the idea to like look at just a, a multiple pages of math problems and be able to blow through them and just be like four plus six, 10, you know, like uh times tables, da da da, you know, like quick, um, So there's all sorts of things. And then the psych has the tests that they administer. And obviously we see overlay, right? Where if there's a kid that's having processing challenges on the psych side, chances are they're having processing challenges um, during testing with me too. And so we're able to kind of compare notes and develop a plan that in theory should address the concerns that the child has, whether it's, you know, Reading or processing or focus and attention, um, emotional regulation. Like, in order to qualify for an IEP, here's something that like isn't always expressly said to the parents. And I always make sure and like say it and underline it five times because there's this cabal of online websites that are like, "Hey, is your kid freaking out about the ACT and the SAT?" you know, you can demand they have an IEP and get accommodations for extra time on the test and all this stuff. And I'm like, and they're, I've heard parents say as much, like, like, not to me, not parents I've had before, but like parents in like mixed company Mm -hmm. that were like, yeah, you know, my kid stresses out about tests and they aren't, they aren't a good test taker is what they say. And they're like, so, you know, we're getting them assessed for ADHD and, The thing that you have to think about is even if a kid has markers of ADHD, but they're a straight A student and they have anxiety and they have stress, like chances are they have built up compensatory strategies that have helped them navigate these waters. And at the end of the day, where does, where's the line between a learn, between actual book learning and compensatory strategies? Because you're figuring out how to survive. Like, Mm. I had ADHD and I learned that if you put me in two extra classes, like in a class during lunch that was all about reading and a class after school that was all about Greek mythology and like Roman mythology and Norse mythology, that those were the carrots and I didn't need Adderall and I didn't Mm. need any of these things. Not to say that those don't work well for people. They didn't work well for me.
0: And I had other strategies yeah I didn't have it at all i my sixth grade teacher i was not behaving well in sixth grade mm-hmm. for reasons that were beyond just uh a d h d and yeah. um, she encouraged someone to i don't know if she did or my parents did or whatever but basically she initiated a conversation to start doing like a an assessment for a d h d or like the parental assessment questionnaire kind of thing and teacher assessment yeah. and kind of compare mm-hmm. and um, I think the teach I know the teachers definitely put me at risk. Um, mm-hmm. the my parents, I'm not sure um, mm-hmm. but like yeah, do I, do I feel like I probably have undiagnosed inattentive type ADHD? Mm-hmm. Yes um, mm-hmm. I relate strongly to other people who describe that, but, uh i can crush tests Mm -hmm. like i'm a super good test taker and i'm a super good crammer for tests so i can like Mm -hmm. just prep the night before have a monster energy drink annihilate a (laughs) midterm in 20 minutes and walk out the door like third person out the door and get an a right like what you know so it's just not there's no You've said it a million times before, there's just no blanket statement about any of it <laughs> that covers yeah. everything at all. Um, so, I mean, but that's what's cool about the IEP is that you have such a close observational and interactional background with the, with the students. I don't know what that means also for your school psych, how much they've interacted up to that point. I assume mm-hmm. they've been, have they been a part of the SST up until that point or no? So no, the SST at least at our school
1: is the social emotional coordinator. Um, that's all the also the person that works with five hundred fours, which five hundred fours are a little bit different. Uh, they're very similar to IEPs, yeah, but they yeah, and I can I can kind of touch on those. Um, yeah. Well, actually, I can I can touch on it right now. They're super. They're um, they're a stripped down IEP, but the thing that's really interesting about them. Um, and only I shouldn't say no, it should be nationwide. Um, the IEP, unless the student has a disabling condition where they will not graduate traditionally, um, either with a certificate or otherwise, if they're what we call like modified, which would be, um, what we call mod severe. Right levels of disability because we have mild mod and we have mod severe if they're a mod severe student that needs that extra time I think it's up to. Used to be 23 what do I feel like it's 25 now, but they can be in a. um another location after high school that kind of also has them build skills and learn how to interact, you know, in the world and take public transportation, um, count money, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, But if they aren't, if they're a mild, moderate, or even mod severe student that is going to graduate their 12th grade, um, that IEP goes away. The IEP, like you can, it can follow you to college and most colleges that aren't monsters will look at it and be like, this is a roadmap for your academic success. So let's see what we can offer. You know, what accommodations can we offer? Can you, you know, test in an alternate environment? Can you, you know, that sort of thing. Um, 504s are, I think under the purview of the, the ADA. And so Americans they follow, yes, Americans with Disabilities Act. And so I'm pretty sure that follows you in perpetuity. I know it follows you till at least 25, but the the IEP and the 504, the the things that are kind of golden ticket for them is they open programs like the... Uh, Department of Rehabilitation, which DOR, and everybody here is Department of Rehab and they're like, I'm not a drug dealer, or like, I don't need to learn how to walk or you know, whatever. And it's an unfortunate name, but what they do is they actively seek to get people that have disabling conditions hired into, it's almost like a manpower type of thing, but they cater specifically to people with disabilities and the companies that hire them know that they're hiring someone with a disability.
0: And, and this is a, this is a state department or federal department. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's That's a, it's a program. Yeah. And
1: so going back to the, sorry, I went way off base there, which is I know I
0: love that you brought that in because I totally forgot about 504s to be mm-hmm. really honest with you, which is another, it's exactly like this. And Michael and I were talking about doing this episode. I was explaining to him, like, I should know way more about these things than I actually do. And given my situation, I don't have to know about them to do what I do because I already do my homework to try to figure out what's going on with the student. I already individualize, and I'm already a specialist. So it's like, I'm only working with them because of X, Y, or Z, not because of all of these other things. Like I don't have to figure all of that other stuff out um, unless it's they have something else that's concurrent. Like if, if they have dyslexia and they also happen to have ADHD or an emotional thing or whatever, then I have to deal with it. But um, 504 is, I forgot about, but it's one of, it's the same thing. It's like, I'd feel like I would need to know more about these things. <laughs> um, so I'm really glad that you, you brought it up and, and brought it in. Cause it's weird. Parents don't really talk to me about that kind of stuff very often. But hmm. when they do, I feel almost that deer in the headlights of like yeah, I don't know about these things. Like I kind of do, but I not enough to really know <laughs> what I don't know. <laughs> right. Um. So that's actually fascinating. I'm gonna I'm gonna look that up and put it in the show notes to see like whether the 504s are um, perpetual or uh, whatnot. But um. That actually raises another question for me. And yeah. I don't know if this is kind of skipping the order that we want to want to touch this on, but maybe we can talk about it in the last segment, which is mm-hmm. um, like once an IEP has been made official mm-hmm. or a 504 has been made official, like you said, that mm-hmm. 504 ties into the ADA. Um, right. Is a school legally required... To follow the guidelines within it, and what does that look like, and what does it look like if they don't? I think I'd like to talk about that in the third segment. Yes, um, let's do that because I can um,
1: I can finish wrapping up what kind of the nuts and bolts are of the actual IEP. Yeah, and that is an excellent question. And there are huge legal ramifications that could go sideways um, nice. with teaser that.
0: teaser. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. So, um, all right. So once you guys have it together, mm-hmm. um, and you have the, the FAPE, is that what we're talking about now? Yes. <laughs>
1: so well, the, what the, the, the free, and appropriate, free and appropriate public education. And so that's the offer. And what it is, is we look at what does the kid need? Right. And, and the, the important thing too, is it's a team decision. Right. It's never me as much as I love it to be Praetorian from the mount, just like shouting orders to a scribe and they like chisel it on the tablet. And I was like, one more they shall have, twice the additional test time. Um, it's we sit at a table and it's their gen ed teachers and it's, you know, a director, some sort of an LEA legal representative. Um, usually like a director or principal or you know a school psychologist and well the school psychologist but it might also be like their big boss which is like the head of psychological services and what is an um, LEA? Uh, it's a legal rep um i'm blanking on legal educational advocate i can't remember oh, that, yeah advocates um, yeah well it's not an advocate it's not an advocate advocate though it's um and I'm, I'm probably butchering what LEA means um I, I shouldn't said that with such we'll figure it yeah out. um so so the LEA is usually the the kind of the, the figurehead the, the person that speaks on behalf of the school huh. um, and uh and so they're the ones ultimately that if you're you know, if, if something comes up and there's services that your school can't provide, but the team determines that the student needs that in order to thrive and to be a better student, then, like, the LEA rep is the one that kind of weighs the pros and cons and, and rubber stamps that, yes, we can have an outside contractor, you know, um, that sort of thing. It's It, it all gets very tangled. It turns into this like Gordian knot of, uh, of, of crazy educational stuff. And so what, what I do on my end and what the school psych does is we kind of compare those data pieces. Um, we have the general education teachers talk about what they're seeing in the class. We have the parents talk about, you know, what are your priorities for learning, but also, you know, what are your priorities for your student to learn? Um, what are you seeing at home? What are we seeing here? Um, You know what, what can we all decide is uh, the best course of action for the student, and then we develop a set of goals, and the goals are all individualized right and they're very tailored like it might be something about writing or self editing or reading or typing certain words per minute or saying words out loud um, again I'm biased I'm, I'm a high school teacher so I can't speak for the the lower mm. lower school learning but I imagine that that those are like very very uh, intense um, and very you know multi-tiered multifaceted
0: yeah. and yeah <clears throat> What, what are goals, I'm just curious, what do goals look mm-hmm. like for something like reading comprehension? Because to me, that seems like such a nebulous, mm-hmm. like, measuring so talking about, reading like- comprehension in a way that's concrete is extremely difficult. Seeing it and knowing it intuitively as I'm interacting with someone is much easier. It's It's much easier for me to go qualitatively that was easy qualitatively that seemed difficult rather than to like quantify a goal and i'm assuming th- most of these goals have to be quantitative if it's legal right yep so how the heck <clears throat> yeah yeah um so how in the hell um
1: they're twins that's how <laughs> like <laughs> it's called Marial twins um no so <laughs> <laughs> so you ask one of them if they want kate both of them say yes um so so no it's it's so look at something like like comprehension reading comprehension right we figure out what lexile the kids at and we find you know again you know we find the 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 ceiling and we find the the floor we find where where are they comfortable reading at how can we crank up the heat a little bit Right. And thank God for things like LexisNexis and, and you know, all of these New Zellas and these programs that actually have, uh, have articles tailored to specific uh, school levels, Lexile levels, um, all of these things. And so you'll have passages and it'll have questions. And some are multiple choice, some are true false, some are short answer. Um, Also, like, I'm a big fan of, I don't, kids, kids are really smart, really smart, and they're going to get sick of you going, hey, I want you to read this passage about the Industrial Revolution, or I want you to read this passage about fossil fuels, or I want you to read this passage about the mating cycle of cicadas, and they're just like, this sucks, right? And then you'll notice that their comprehension appears to go down, but realistically, they just stop caring. They're phoning it in, just like we do when we get bored. Um, So what I I like to do is I like to find a book that's at a kid's level, something that has uh, continuity to it, and then I'll you know we'll read it together. Maybe I'll read it out loud, and they'll follow along. Or I'll have them read it out loud, and I'll follow along, and I'll jot down, you know, pronunciation challenges, or I'll jot down, you know, whatever. Um, and then I always, you know, encourage them if you see a word that you don't know to circle that, and we'll look it up together. And then you'll build a word database that you have that, you know, in your notebook and your reading tracker. Um, but going back to your question. It's, you know, you ask them a series of questions and that might be qualitative. It might just be you hearing it and knowing how they're speaking, mm-hmm. how, you know, when when they're, the tone of their voice goes up at the end, it's they're not sure of what mm-hmm. they're reading. Um, yeah.
0: But then to make that a goal for an IEP, mm-hmm. what does, does that then... Like, am I inferring that you you then have to kind of say, well, in order for it to be in the IEP, we're going to basically have to say they're either going to get this many more raw score points on the comprehension mm-hmm. section of the gray oral reading test, or they're going to have to get to this lexile measure on whatever other test of comprehension. Mm-hmm. Because I, as much as I like what you're saying about what you're doing, which is similar to what right. I do... Mm-hmm. To put that into a, a sort of binding document in a concrete goal seems difficult. So yes and no, right? So I would say something like
1: uh, by next annual review date, which is, you know, what's what's the date today? By So if it's say we held the meeting today, the goal would say something like by uh, November 7th, because it's always... Uh, one day less than a following year. So it would be by November 7th, 2022. uh, Brian will read and, or will, uh, will read a passage at his individual reading level and answer a series of comprehension questions with, and let's say your comprehension level, let's say your Lexile level is 10, right? You're reading at a 10th grade level, which, you know, not too shabby. Um, so your, your Lexile level is 10. So maybe I'll say 10.5 or 11. Um, I'll know that you answer questions with 60% accuracy, um, right now. So maybe I'll say 75% accuracy at a Lexile level of 11.5, because you want to look at what can I think, what do I think that you could do in a year that is challenging, Right, because I could say yes. By next year, you'll read at a ten point five level. But to me, when it comes to goals, it's the goldfish effect, right? And Mm -hmm. if you set if you set the bar low enough, the kids are going to be like, "Oh yeah, man, I could just do this and coast, and not push myself."
0: Um, And and to me, it also feels like if you set the bar too low, then on the educational side, you're doing a disservice mm -hmm. to the student and you're also not pushing the team to try to achieve something for them because, I mean, it, it is easy to sort of get complacent or to get swept up in the doings and lose sight of um, where you want a student to be. You can just be like, oh, well, we're, they're doing comprehension stuff now. They're doing extra work on that, so they're good without actually really just being like, no, like we need to be on top of it because we have an, an aggressive goal and um, it's doable, but we really need to, to tune it in and do our best. Um, which, and that, you know, well, yeah. sorry,
1: can I, can I jump in uh, yeah. real, real quick? So the other thing too, is with our push in model, right? I'll usually write something like, Brian will answer with 75% accuracy, there's usually a metric like in four out of five trials, and then there's always a time. So it'll say like over a six-week period. And so that means I'm doing a series of observations of you, and you're. I'm trying, right? I'm looking at a sample size that's like an accurate sample of what your work is. And I like to say something like, according to teacher-kept data, um, student work portfolios, because then I can draw you know, their essay is a comprehension piece. I can draw the multiple choice question that they answered as a piece. It doesn't, that way it's not reliant on one particular data set. And because really maybe there's a kid that, that sucks at writing, that hates writing. And so like, you know, if you judge a fish on its ability to climb a tree, you'll always be disappointed, right? Um, so that was that. And the idea is, Just to wrap up what the goal is, is you want something that is achievable, that is challenging, and that you can demonstrate growth at the end of the year. And so I can pull a portfolio and be like, they answered this in an interview we did. They did this as a presentation. They did this as a paper. They did this, you know, that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And that's, I think, for, for comprehension, especially... Like I'm, I'm going to beat that horse to death, but like mm-hmm. um, that's, you know, that's my wheelhouse. So f- I think for comprehension, it's really important that you have as broad uh, a selection as possible to look at that because it just crops up in so many different ways and mm-hmm. it's just really hard to measure like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In, in a, in a way that what was the last point that you said it has to be measurable or it has to be demonstrable or something yeah I mean well you have to display growth right it has to be something you can display yeah right so Um, wow yeah so um, this is a really good time for us to take our last break and then when we come back uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, what might potentially go wrong with oh Oh, yeah buddy so stay tuned (laughs) all right everyone welcome back uh this is brian and michael and you're listening to logic and lore we're talking about ieps and for this last segment we want to talk a little bit about um maybe some of the problems or what might go wrong with ieps what happens if uh they aren't adhered to so Mm um i probably we could go for another Hour on this, but I don't have another okay. hour. So whatever seems most uh, salient to you, Michael, mm-hmm. uh, in the next ten or fifteen, as we wrap up, um, yeah, definitely want to know about the massive legal ramifications <laughs> uh, and and whatever else you have to say about it. Yeah, there are there are people that are
1: infinitely more qualified than I am to to, to talk about this. But what I can say, um, what I know for a fact is. Um, it's a legal document there are people who are literally hired who only write IEPs in, in public school districts that are like and they have to make sure it's watertight there are parents that bring in legal advocates um I've worked with amazing legal advocates I've also worked for awful legal advocates that like an illegal advocate can come into the meeting and they're expected to speak on behalf of the parent and maybe the parent um Is concerned about the kid not getting the services that they deserve maybe um in the past they were kind of um not treated well there's so many different reasons but ultimately like the good right the 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 chaotic good and lawful good um legal advocate makes it their mission to make sure that that student gets all of the accommodations and the services that they're due and that's incredibly admirable um, however comma there is, is all facets of life um, there are people there who will like who aren't necessarily amazing advocates or aren't um, working super super well I want to be really careful of how I, how I say this but like there are people that that will that I've seen in the past like long ago um, before way before the place that I am now that would put that would literally go into the meeting with the intention of making an extra meeting because if they make if they push the meeting out if you set the meeting parameters for an hour hour and 15 they might push it out and object to things and and push things further so that there has to be another meeting and that meeting means billable hours Mm -hmm. so there's, there's a financial component and they're like kind of the, the ambulance chasers of the legal advocate world. And luckily, I mean, knock on wood, I've had amazing experiences recently and these people that are like, you know, that are here for the kids. So going back to what could go wrong, um, you might have, I've seen IEP documents where they wrote the wrong kid's name because obviously they were pulling from like a data bank of the same accommodations or the same goals or the same like and and so that right out of the bag is you're just like dude it's an individualized education plan and you're not that you're you're not keeping the eye on it right you're doing copy pasta and it's like and i've seen ones where like i've seen the documents and the girl's name is like kelly for example it's not kelly because you know hipaa and all that but like let's say the girl's name is kelly and like it'll say something like Stephen will ask you know to use the bathroom
0: yeah in some like subsection of a subsection one point right it's like uh, right
1: and you're like bro but that being said um I, so I didn't get a lot of the accommodations that I was owed when I went to college, even though I had the documentation and because there were things that were written kind of gray for lack of a better word. And so I really had to fight to get like um, sound amplification for professors and like all sorts of stuff. And that's that's a story for another day. I'd, I'd love to talk about that in the future. Um, But if you don't write it clearly and cleanly and effectively, if there's wiggle room, if you use somebody's name like uh, under services, if you don't say something like speech and language pathologist and you say student will have access to Brian, um, if you leave that company or that school or that grouping legally, if the parent really wants to stick it to the school, the, the school, because they all agreed, With that iep will then have to fly you back or like you know figure out a way for you to provide Mm -hmm. services Um, so that's a big no-no right like you never want to say a person's name you always want to say what the the office or the position is um so we use more nebulous terms like i have a lot of kids with with emotional disturbance and so i say that they should have access to a preferred adult um, but I've seen IEPs that say like access to a counselor or access to a school psych. What if the counselor is not there that day? Yeah. What if the school psych's not there that day? They're going to talk to the preferred adult. They're going to talk to the person that teaches them de-escalation strategies or that they feel comfortable with. So why not name that yeah. right out of the
0: gate? And so, or like um, if, if it's, if the student needs, um, cause I, I think my, I have somehow been not named, but my job or my duties have been in a, an IEP. I just recently talked to um, a, a psychologist who was working with a family that I work with and she wanted to interview me really quick uh, to, to just kind of match up uh, all the other observations from everyone else. And yeah. I would assume they would say something like access to or, you know, receives however many weekly sessions with um, like a language and literacy tutor or something mm-hmm. along those lines to kind of keep it vague instead of it being right. me particularly or something like that. Yeah, that's,
1: mm-hmm. that's exactly right.
0: Like you have, to,
1: you have to be specific enough to talk about what the, the provider is, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're too specific, it can backfire. And there are things where people calculate numbers wrong, and they talk about the number of service minutes that a kid gets, and it was supposed to be, um, let's say, 300 minutes a week, Mm -hmm. right? Which that works out to an hour a day, yeah. Um, And that's spread out throughout the day, but there are people that are like 600 minutes a day or something like that. You know what I mean? It's like, it's all all in... Right. And it's it's a typo. And like I said, if, if the person drops the ball that badly and the parent gets that frustrated with the system, then they might be like, no, 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 this is what we agreed to. This is what your team agreed to. Figure it out. Um, there are, I mean, and that's, you know, it's not, it's not a manipulation. It's just one of those you have to be incredibly careful about what you commit to paper and it's the same thing that you know is drilled into our head when we start teaching it's like don't don't ever email a parent when it could be a phone call because mm-hmm. you can't tonally express something i mean i'm i'm the most guilty person of that like i tend to write very direct and to the point emails i'm like this is what's happening this is what i need let me know if you have any questions Same. and people are like, that sounds really severe. Mm. I'll be like, shut up. You know? <laughs> um, <no>. uh-
0: <laughs> Can I, 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 um, I want to ask before we run out of time. Um, yeah, man. I, I know that it's not, you're, you're in the business of doing things right and helping the kids. So mm-hmm. I know this is not exactly your, your area of expertise per se, but, um, mm-hmm. if, for example, a school doesn't follow those guidelines then, and it's clearly demonstrable that that they didn't, and the accommodations were not received, the accesses mm-hmm. that were called for were not received. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what does that look like then? Is that like a civil suit between the parent and the school district? Like, what What do you know? Yeah, like, um,
1: so it's definitely a suit uh they've they've i've i've been at schools where it's happened and mm-hmm. you know they scramble and it's normally like man the biggest thing when you have a caseload of IEP students is keep the parents happy <laughs> like it is a suit it's like it's a civil suit and it can be thousands of dollars because literally the parents are saying well clearly the school's not providing this so i want to send my kid to a location where they get the services outlined and they were also supposed to provide these services and never did. So I want this like backlog
0: on top I've of- i actually, dude, can I tell you, I, this please. is probably what happened actually with a student of mine, but mm-hmm. it, this blew me away. I was a case manager at a learning center at the time. And mm-hmm. um, my, basically when people would get signed um, and if they were assigned to me, to my mm-hmm. caseload because there were several case managers at the center um if they were assigned to my caseload i would just come into to work one day with like the i think we, we were doing it at the time where my director who would have the conversation with the parents and like actually sign them basically um mm-hmm. would do their write-up of that meeting and drop mm-hmm. it off on my desk physically so it was like here you go you have a new student and here's the write up notes from the meeting. And when you need to, we'll talk, but it's my cue to be like, cool, let's get, get it rolling. Like, let me start looking at their testing. Let me start looking at everything. Mm-hmm. And I thought mm-hmm. there was a typo because <laughs> normally we would have people sign up for like a lot of instruction, but it would be like mm-hmm. 80 to 120 hours of instruction. Sure. And we'd bang it out in 20 hours a week. We'd bang it out in a couple months. Um, mm-hmm. I looked at this one, and it was like 1,800 to 2, 2,100 hours of instruction or something ridiculous. I was like, Whoa. that's typo. So I took it straight to my director's office, and I was right, like, right. Um, I think you messed up. And she had this huge grin on her face. She's like, mm-hmm. yeah, the hours on that recommendation. I was like, yeah, they're... Not right. She's mm-hmm. like, no, they are. And I was like, and I just kind of slowly yep. shut her office door and was like, explain. <laughs> yep, absolutely the result of a of a school district utterly failing a student who that's what happened specialized. Yes, they needed. Yeah incredibly specialized help. It was mostly comprehension, but also that bled into, you know, dyslexia, math and whatever Mm -hmm. else. And um, they won the suit with the school, which Mm -hmm. was just like amazing. And the the work we did with them was amazing too. It was so exciting, but nice, like that is, that was everybody in the company knew who this person was (laughs) after a year or so, who the student was. Um, yeah. worldwide, like knew who they were like wow. a celebrity at the center because they were there for years and they yeah. were getting the help that they finally needed at like age, you know, in their twenties or whatever. Um, but yeah, crazy That's, stuff.
1: And again, you know, good for them to get the thing that, that was deserved because there, there are schools, you know, not mine, but like there are schools that, that I've been around and heard of that like cut corners and, They do like, they fudge facts and they fudge comprehension thing. I mean, I I think I told you before the teacher that had like the two packets and it was the answer packet and the one that was highlighted with like the number of the question, like there are people that do stuff to like, make it look like they're really great. And then when the kid has comprehension, that's why, honestly, man, like I've, I don't lie to parents because then I can't get caught in anything. Right. Like it's that dumb, it's, it's the, the Occam's razor of being a good person is like, Hey, just don't be a garbage person. And it's like, with parents, I tend to be incredibly honest and very direct. And, and I tell them that right from the get go, I'm like, look, the school that I'm at has a reputation is like this, like soft and glowing and you know, the, um, the, the, the crap sandwich model. Right. Which is like, if you're there to address a behavior the top bun is like, but here's the things that I love. And then yeah, there's the sandwich. crap. Yeah. And then it's like, the bottom is like, the bottom bun is like, uh, is like, and here's what we look forward to seeing. And it's like, and that's great if that's your jam, but like, I have parents that have significant changes and I'm not going to blow sunshine up their butt to like lure them into some sense of whatever when I can just tell them like, look, you are an, an Integral part of this team, an integral, integral part of this team. Um, and like, and I take what you say incredibly seriously. And this is what I'm seeing. And these are my concerns. Let me know where your thoughts are. I'm all ears. Well, I'm all at eh, I'm half deaf. Um, but, but it's one of those things that it's like, I keep them happy because I'm direct. And at the end of the day, with the IEP, you as a parent should feel like this is the crusader well not crusader crusades were historically not the best period um you are the champion of my student right you are the person that is going to step up for them and that are going to help things go on and one of the ways and I kind of addressed this earlier that I do this is I say look I had this really horrible thing when I went to college this really horrible um series of events and so I'm going to word your accommodations in a very specific way that gives the state board and that gives colleges the least amount of wiggle room Mm -hmm. in terms of accommodations. And like that's, that's how I'm pushing it forward. And if I set this in 10th grade, then any IEP review, they're going to see in the documents that these are accommodations that benefit the student that continued to lead to their growth. And this is something that should be continued. And that's what it is. It's, it's a roadmap for success. It's not a golden ticket. There are so many parents that uh, erroneously read these articles that talk about like tips and tricks and all this stuff. And here's something that I didn't, um, sorry, I know we're running a little bit long, but like, here's the one thing that I want to like highlight and underline. Mm-hmm. Um, there has to be an academic impact on whatever their disability is, right? Hmm. That's that's the, the major qualifier for an IEP is there has to be an academic impact as a result of what we found. And with these students that have straight A's, the parents are like, oh, I just want it to be a little easier on them. I just want them to have that extra time. I want them, you know, they're, they're not good test takers or they stress out easy or all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, yes and, you have a straight-A student that has developed this series of compensatory strategies, and they might have the gnarliest ADHD that, that you've ever seen, but they've had strategies that they've built up. They've built up these calluses over these disabilities that have helped them be the people they are today. And so we're going to do all of this testing to find out that, yes, indeed, they have you know slight markers or uh, echoes of uh inattention hyperactivity it might even be depression or anxiety or somatization all of these things but there are also kids that are like yeah i know that if i drink coffee before a test i get anxious and i get a sour stomach so i drink tea like mm-hmm. it's something that you know <laughs> that simple but if there's no academic impact then they don't qualify right. for the iep and that's something that unfortunately those websites never
0: spell out yeah and if, and if those kids do need support in those ways, then it's like, yo, it kind of falls back on the parents, in my opinion, to seek out those supports in, in the ways that are, are sort of under their responsibility. It's like, if you need to get them a therapist, get them a therapist. Like, you know, I, I, I feel like School, school shouldn't be the be all end all for, for everything. And, and uh, you guys definitely have a lot on your shoulders at the schools already and absolutely should do your best if someone is impaired in their ability to succeed there. But if they're succeeding there and there's other challenges in that student's life, then hey, maybe that that is a challenge that belongs in some other realm of their life uh, rather than just pile everything all of responsibilities all of the playing god onto you guys at this school and expect you to solve everything
1: yeah um, and I mean you know the other thing too is and I, and I know I've mentioned it before but I have like what I call the ducklings right where I'll have my caseload students but I'll have that like five ten sometimes twelve kids that are like tagalongs that are mm-hmm. kids that have these compensatory strategies but sometimes man, they're just depressed and they want to like talk or they want to vent or they want to ask your opinion on something. And that's, that's why we do what we do. Um, it's, you know, there's that, it's not the money. It's the, the, the satisfaction of knowing that you're helping somebody who can then take those amazing strategies and help somebody else. Mm. And Brian Widmer, did you ever think those words would ever come out of my mouth? <laughs> like knowing knowing where I came from, where we came from, the un, genesis un, of our friendship.
0: Unironically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I can mean see. It. Yeah, and mean it. Um, it's good to hear. It's it's yeah. really good to hear.
1: Oh, by um, the, that being said, I know, I know you have to wrap, but uh, but uh, I, here's something that I do want to commit to, to tape. Um, if you ever hear me say the words unironically I thought I was teaching them but they were teaching me the whole time I want you to take a crowbar and I want you to smash me in the face as hard as you can because <laughs> that is the cringiest teacher statement I've heard people say that and I'm just like just stop like I That's thought fire. I was like listen Michelle Pfeiffer right like uh, yeah just be like fire yourself like <laughs> just you're fired you're canceled you're
0: uh oh no yeah no yeah. no say no to cancel culture okay yes yeah, so we have <laughs> to wrap it up um yeah Michael it's been so be. so good I actually learned I learned a lot although I didn't expect to teach you anything today and um <laughs> and uh it's just been good to hang out man it's been Yeah. This is not legal
1: advice, by the way. Like anything, if if anything, uh, look at me as the lowest rung on the like smartness ladder of IEPs, right? Like I'm I I probably messed up an acronym on there. Um, I'm definitely not one of those people that's paid, um, you know, like eighty thousand dollars, ninety thousand dollars base pay just to write legally sound IEPs. there, there are infinitely smarter people than me out there. Uh, I do not claim to be any kind of a, a genius. Um, handsome, yes. Uh, humble, sure. Um,
0: <laughs> Great, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So there's our disclaimer. Next time, yep. I actually, I think it would be cool to talk a little bit about um, your college accommodations experience and and all of that, if that's what you were referring to. Uh, do you want to? Yeah put that on our uh, agenda for our, our next hangout possibly
1: yeah and the the teaser can be uh I made a college professor very 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 mad at me and uh all he had to do was be helpful and do the thing that I asked him to do but he was a tenured professor and was like this is where I dig my heels in and I was like oh buddy (laughs)
0: i can't wait (laughs) um it's been fun and thanks everyone for yeah two thumbs up we actually did video we we did video we don't usually see each other for these but we decided to do video today and risk any audio hiccups that happened so so i mean it sounded great on my end so um, yeah so uh yes until next time thanks everyone for listening and uh i'm brian that's michael this is logic and lore we're out of here Yeah.